Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to another edition of I Won't Stop Until I Win. I am your host, Jose Flores, and each week I'll be sharing inspiring stories of people who push through the pain, who overcome adversity, and who keep on running their race to become the winners they are today. So thank you for spending some time with me, and let's jump right into the show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. As you guys may know or may not know, I have a special, special surprise for you, special guest today. It's none other than my friend, my brother, who's not only a friend and a brother, but he's also a mentor of mine. And he's one of the world's leading authorities on sales and business strategy and everything else. I mean, this guy is blowing up like crazy. My brother, Victor Antonio, man, welcome to the show. How are you doing, my brother? Jose, I'm doing good, man. Glad to be on the show, man. We finally made this happen. Yeah, man. I'm super excited, bro. I know I've been following you for some time, for probably around three years already now since we last met at the 10X. Correct. And just watching you do some amazing things, brother, and just the advice and the, you know, the mentorship that you've given me is priceless, man, and I really appreciate it. I'm just super excited to have you on the show, man. Dude, I'm super excited to be here, man. Yeah. I remember 10X, yeah, it was about three years ago. I think what was memorable about that presentation with the, the Grant Cardone and his team was, remember my presentation fell apart. Remember yes. it wasn't working, so I had to go to the flip chart or the whiteboard. Yes. And still pulled it off, man. So that was good. That was the first time I ever done that presentation also, by the way. And you know what, bro, to be honest with you, that right there, my friend, is what made me attractive towards you because I was like, man, this freaking guy, his whole PowerPoint it could have been a disaster, bro, for, for anyone else. But yep. the way you carried yourself, man, and you just, yo, bro, you didn't skip a beat. You didn't let it distract you. You didn't let it, maybe you did mentally, but the way you portrayed it and you, and you, and you handled yourself, man, it was perfect professionalism, bro. Thank you, man. Yep. Yeah, uh, my other brain was like, uh, what are we going to do here, Victor? And then my back brain is going, ah, let's just do it. We know the material. Let's just do it. And it actually felt better when my PowerPoint fell apart, actually. It felt much more natural. Yeah, it was. I got, I got a lot of feedback on that. A lot of people said almost the same thing. It says, I knew you knew your stuff when the PowerPoint fell apart and you just kept going. Yeah, I'm man. Like, it, yeah. it impacted me so much so that the next day on, on, the, on the second day when I was going back that I did a little video, Instagram video on some of the points you were talking about because that was like one of the most, out of all the speakers that day, yours impacted me the most, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. That was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a great day, man. I like working with Grant Cardone and the team. So yeah, good people, man. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, listen, for those who may not know you and whoever doesn't know you, they're probably maybe living under a rock or something because you got you've been all over the world. But for those who don't know you, man, just tell us a little bit about, you know, where you come from, a little bit about your upbringing and, you know, how you've gotten to where you are today. All right. The short version is, well, let me just say this. I have a documentary online free YouTube called The Motivator. So if you type in Victor Antonio, The Motivator, you'll get the full story. But here's the thumbnail sketch of it. Family is originally from Puerto Rico. Uh, they moved to Chicago in the late 50s. I was raised, if you know where the Cabrini Green Housing Projects and Home Park is in Chicago, the hood, uh, that's where I was raised. Food stamps, government cheese, powdered milk, all that good stuff. We, we didn't have a lot of money. Mom said, go to school, get an education, get that J-O-B. Uh, graduated with a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering, got an MBA, uh, started out as an engineer, hated it, uh, moved into sales, loved it, made some money, uh, VP of international sales, president of global sales and marketing for a $420 million company. One day, uh, it was May 9th, 2001, 3.48 p.m. to be exact, when I called my chairman, says, I'm done, I'm going to do my own thing. And that's when I started speaking and writing books. I have 13 books on sales and motivation. Uh, pretty much spoken on every continent except Antarctica. 
which I'm okay with. And that's what I do, man. So if you're a Boricua, what up? Weba! <laughs> Weba, yeah. I love it, man. I love it. I love your energy, man. I love your, your personality, just the way you, your, your, your vibe, man. You, and, I, and I can see it, man. I follow you, like I said, on social media. I see everybody who, who engages with you and encounters you. They absolutely love it. I, and for the same reason, I'm assuming, assuming that I love it because you just bring this presence with you, this energy that's just attractive and people just want to, you know, people want, there's so much negativity going on out there, man, in the world. And when people like you and I just come into a room with our energy and our passion and our, and our personality, it's just attractive. People want to be around people want to be around you and um but listen i know a lot of times people are always wondering like people like you and i and and, and other successful people who have built some things and have been around some people been around the world they always want to know what a typical day looks like for those individuals like how are they able to manage you know everything that they have going on you know family work life travel you know and then we're going to get into this, but um, TV shows and, and all these different things that, that, that we do. Just give us a small little glimpse of what it looks like in a day for Victor Antonio from the moment you oh, wake man. up to the moment okay. you lay your head to rest. All right. All right. So, so uh, well, first, you know, I want to highlight what you just said. I think it's worth highlighting is that it, it's easy to go negative. But you know what I mean? I meet so many people who are just negative all the time and they wonder why they don't attract success. I can't explain it. And maybe you can't either, but I know there's something about just being good to people, being honest with people, just being cool with people. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. we can all bring the negativity, but what's the point, right? We can yeah. sit there and talk about all the things that are going wrong, but everybody's got problems. And so I've had the, the, the good uh, blessing of traveling in the world international. And so, you know, I've been to South Africa. I've been to Tanzania and Africa, and I've seen poverty, man. Uh, just two months ago, I was in Bangkok. I'll show you poverty down there. So I, I personally think, man, we live in one of the greatest countries in the world, Matt, in history, I believe. And we're living through a beautiful time right now. And so if you're going negative, it's because you want to go negative. We all have negative situations. So I think you're right. I think when you bring that energy, you bring that positivity, people want to be around you. And people always say, well, Victor, how do you, how do you, how do you, how'd you get into this situation, this opportunity? And it's hard for me to explain, just like you understand, Jose, is that it wasn't that I went after the opportunity. I was just nice to people, very cool with people. And one plus one equals five and five plus 10 equals whatever. And then all of a sudden people come to you and say, hey, Victor, uh, do you want to hang out and do an event with me? And I'm like, sure. So now taking it back, when I first started out, you know, people were like, who are you? And I couldn't give away my, my keynotes or my workshop for free because people were like, who are you? I don't even know you. And so, you know, a, a typical day in my life today is very lazy. So I have to admit this up front, man. I, I live what I call a very high quality of life. That means I've gotten to a point because I've worked hard. You know the airplane analogy where you, most of the fuel is used up when you're taking off and then you reach a certain altitude, then you pull back a little, you start cruising. Dude, I am cruising right now and I'm enjoying life. Uh, so I, it's taken me 10 years to get there. And I want to emphasize that, 10 years. <laughs> to get there, right? 10 years. And, but now I'm in a place where you know uh, I get good speaking fees. I don't have to speak as often. And again, man, I, I, I get time off, a day in the life of Victor. So I get up at five in the morning. Uh, by 5.30, I'm at Starbucks. And so I write for two hours. Typically, I write or read for two hours, mostly write for two hours. And I'm always creating content. Now, why two hours? Uh, a while back, I heard a guy named Dan Ariely, who's a neuroscientist. And he talked about everybody has two golden hours in their day. And those are two golden hours, Jose, where you can just, man, you know, you can hyper-focus. It's like stuff gets done, man. You know what I mean? And so I'm a morning person. I'm a lark, not an owl. And so I get up early 
And that's my time from 530 to 7.30, man, I can create content, I can read, I can comprehend better. And so if you're listening to this, I know you have two hours, you have two golden hours, you just got to find them in your day. And so my day begins with reading and writing quite a bit content for what I'm going to post online. From there, uh, we're talking right now, I'm in my studio. Uh, later on today or maybe tomorrow, I'll create some content, some video content, some audio content on podcasts. And this is the stuff I post. My philosophy is, you know, post a lot of material, people will start discovering you and I attract that. And I learned that from Gary Vaynerchuk. I read his book almost 10 years ago, 11 years now, crushing it. And when I read that book, he was the catalyst to get me going on video. So today I have over a thousand videos on YouTube. Uh, podcasts are growing. Anyway, so I use, for my business, I, I've learned to create enough marketing content where I attract a lot of people to me. And from there, I get a lot of business. So I don't have to cold call. It's all inbound for me because of my content. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a day in the life. Early morning, start reading a lot, uh, create content, and then somewhere during the day, record some, and then maybe just go downstairs and watch a movie and just chill. And hang out. Yeah, man. Hey, that's a great position to be in. And like you said, man, you deserve it. You've been putting in years and years of all this work. Like you said, 10 years. Of 10 years. <laughs> 10 years, man. But hey, listen, you deserve it, man. I'm super proud of you. And you know what? You have been, and I don't know if you, if you know this or not, but you have been very um, detrimental. You've been a, de a detrimental piece of my, because I remember, I don't know if you remember the, our last conversation, we, you spoke, we spoke for about 45 minutes, which I was like blown away. I think I was kind of harsh with you. Wasn't I harsh? Was you I a little were, bit harsh? You were a little tough, man, but you said, hey, listen, you know what? I want to put, I'm pushing you, man. I'm pushing you because I, I yeah. see something in you and, you and you even told me straight up, you was like, look, the only reason I'm on the phone with you right now for 40, 45 minutes is because I know you have it in you. And, you know, I, I like to spend my time with people who are, who are willing to do something, who want to do something. And you were really just pushing me, man, like a big, like a big uncle, you know? Yeah. And um, I remember you telling me two things. You said, Jose, you need to do more videos. Right. You need to do more videos and you need to start a podcast. This right. is something that you have to think about. This is something that you should be doing. This is something that you have to do. Correct. And even when you told me that, man, I was still a little, I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous. It was a little outside of my comfort zone. And uh, when I, when I just, when I finally decided to, to make the jump, you know, I, I was like, man, I can't wait to have Victor on because, you know, you were one of the main reasons why I started the podcast and, and for some other reasons as well. But you were the one who was like really gained, in the back of my mind, you gave me that push. And another thing that, that stuck with me was that you told me like, listen, Jose, there's so many motivational speakers out there. You know, uh, they're, they're all talking about the same things. Mm. You want to succeed in this business. You have to talk about some real mind bending stuff. And right. you, you recommended a couple books to me. One of them was um, Learn, Learned Optimism, which I love. That's a quick, a qu super quick read. And uh, there was another one called Drive. Correct. And I found my own that um, was actually in my mom's house, which was called, um, oh man, I'm, I'm, it was called, uh, it was something with the mind also and how mm -hmm. the mind works, the different parts of the brain and what causes fear and what, you know, where negativity and all that stuff, right? And you were talking about, hey, listen, if you want to succeed, you got to talk about some mind bending stuff, man. You can't talk about the same old, hey, you know, you want to be successful. You got to put in the work. Everybody else is talking about that stuff. We got to talk about the stuff that, why are people not successful? Why are people stuck? What, what's going on in their heads and bring that stuff out? And man, ever since you said that, that's what I've been, that's what I've been doing, man. And, and it's, and it's been working. It's been working. 
So what have you found? I got it. Not that I want to interview you now, but I, I think it's interesting because uh, I think the phrase I gave you, give them some insight, information beyond the obvious, right? That was my phrase. Give them stuff they haven't heard, the mind bending stuff. And so what is one thing that you found that you, when you shared with somebody, they go, what? Well, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that a lot of people don't know the different parts of the brain hmm. and, and their functionalities. And so with studying, with studying some of the books that I've been reading, I've been really intrigued with the prefrontal cortex, sure, which is in the front part of your brain. And that's where a lot of the stuff, a lot of the activity that we, that we, that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis is all stored right there in that frontal lobe. That, that's, that's the logical part. I think the, the other part that I, the part that I really like is the amygdala, the most, the reptilian brain, which is the most primal side, which is where fear resides. Yes. You know, why people, because people will always go towards security and safety and always do everything to mitigate risk. In other words, reduce their risk. So that's why people don't take chances. And so logically, they know the prefrontal cortex. Logically, they go, I know I need to do this. Yeah. But then the, the amygdala, man, that primal brain is like, it's like a, a brake system, man. And it's just on all the time. Like, oh, but, but yeah, there you go. And so when you tell people what's going on in their brain and why they, why they don't do it, it's, it's really amazing. So I'm glad you took that to heart because uh, when I do sales training, I talk about, I can give you all the tools in the world, but I'm telling you right now, a customer will not make a decision to go forward, to give you a yes until you can. And here's the key phrase I use, Jose. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to brand this because I, I think it's, an, it's original, is that too often we focus on motivating people. Come on, you're the best. You're the greatest. You can do it. Put in the work. Put in the time. You can make it happen. You get over the hump, da, 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 so forth and so on, right? Screw that. Everybody does that. Here's the problem. There's a flip side of that. I don't want to motivate people anymore. I want to reduce their fear. Mm. I think that's where the brake system's at. I, everybody's motivated. Anybody listening to this is already motivated because they're listening to this, right? So yeah. they're in the game already. The question is, why aren't they doing it? And if our job is to reduce their fear, and if I can reduce your fear by giving you certain steps on what you need to do, you're more likely to take action. Mm -hmm. So my whole thing now is I don't want to motivate you. I want to reduce your fear. And I think that's an interesting viewpoint. Well, you know, what's funny is that I have this mastermind group that I do every Monday night. And last night we were actually, the topic we were talking about was overcoming fear. And what I was telling them was that um, fear, it is, fear is just a temporary emotion, right? Mm -hmm. But there's two types of fear. The brain was designed with fear as a part of it because it's a protective mechanism. So survival fear, mechanism. Yeah. The, the, yep. fear, the, 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 the good fear is where the brain recognizes danger and keeps you away from that, which, which is a healthy fear. Good fear can save your life. Right. But then you have the other fear that we're talking about from the amygdala, which causes people to actually get stuck, paralyzed, deer in the headlights. I can't jump off the, off the diving board type of experience. And that's the type of fear that, that keeps most people stuck and, 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 um, and from moving forward. So what I told them was that fear is a temporary emotion and we can't control a lot of things, but we can control what we think, what we, the story we tell ourselves, and we can control our emotions, our EQ. Yeah. So, and, I mean, two, thi so two things there, and I think it's interesting to note this, is that I, I don't use that phrase anymore, overcome fear. Don't want to use it anymore. Because overcome means you have to overcome something, like come over that and get over it. The reason I use the word purposefully, reduce fear, is because I don't have to overcome it. I just have to reduce it to a point where you feel comfortable in taking that risk. I mean, think about this for a second. Yeah, you don't have to overcome it. Just reduce it to a point where you go, okay, I think I can do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I think I can do that. Oh, I can't do this. No, I can't do that. 
okay, I, I can do that, Victor. Yeah. And so if I reduce the fear, and the other thing you said uh, was interesting, when you talk about how the mind works, it's always wanting to do something, but it's, it's our ability to kind of, you said, to, it's the story we tell ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Because one of the things is, and I, and I tell this joke in one of my speeches, if you'll allow me, and that is that, you know, uh, I heard this t- 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 sound, right? And I was in my home office downstairs. And I'm like, what is that? And so what happened was I go over to the bathroom. I open the bottom of the sink and there's this small drip. T- 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 and so if you're a real man, what do you do, Jose? You fix it. You find the leak and fix it. No. If you do what I do, you go to the kitchen, you grab a bowl, you put it right <laughs> under it. Problem solved, right? And a week goes by, two weeks go by. Now the, the, the drip is getting faster. So what do you do, Jose? The drip is getting faster? Yeah. What do you do now? You got to get a bigger bowl. My man, now you're with me. Now you're on the same face. It gets to a point where you can't fit a bowl under there, a big enough bowl or a bucket under there. So you, you make the – I made the decision. I'm going to fix this thing, right? I'm going to fix this thing, but I got to warm up to it because I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to deal with this right now. And so I tell myself, you know what? Come Saturday. It's like Monday. Come Saturday. I'm going to deal with this thing finally, right? And so Friday night, man, I, I psych myself up. Saturday morning, I get up. I don't know, man. I'm doing some stretches mentally. Uh, you know, and I say, okay, I'm going to go to Lowe's, get everything I need, and come back. And so I go to Lowe's, get everything I need, come back. And then I get, my, get a cup of coffee one more time. Boom, I'm going in, Jose, right? I'm going in. Man, I go in there, and it took me, I'm going to say, five minutes to fix this thing. Like that, that fast. And what is the first question I ask myself, Jose? Why didn't I do this on Monday? Yeah. Why didn't I do it? And so the question to you is, why do you think I didn't do it? Why do you think I didn't do it? And I'm going somewhere with this. Just play along with I it. think our natural instinct is to always put things off. Why? But why do you think I didn't do it? Besides procrastination, why did I procrastinate? What is the underlying part of procrastination? Why didn't I do it? So I'll give you the answer because it might be a tough one. <laughs> what, what happens is that there, there's, there's bad experiences in my head that I've had in the past with plumbing. Back in the day, we were copper plumbing, not PVC. Mm-hmm. And so I had some bad experiences. So when I saw this drip, I immediately dragged all my past experiences right to the forefront. And my brain says, uh, dude, you're not good at this. Uh, you might not want to do this. Let's not touch this. Get the bowl. Get the bowl. Right? And, it, and all that was holding me back. I call it the imagined fear. Because it's like a ghost in our head, right? Yeah. But it's fears from the past. And I think many people have that. They don't want to try something today because somewhere in their past, Jose, they did something that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're bringing that fear forward. The fascinating part about that is that if you're a mother listening to this, uh, admit, admit to the following, that there was one time where you just snapped at your child, just went, rah, you know, Johnny wasn't being good, right? Pablo wasn't being good, right? We've all done that, right? And you feel bad. But it's interesting how the mother will carry that, or the father will carry that for 10, 15, 20 years, that one time you yelled at your child, right? But you forget all the hundred things, if not thousand things, you did right for that child. The way the brain works is it it puts an emotional marker, Mm -hmm. like an emotional heavily weighted marker on something negative, but it never acknowledges the positive and gives it the same weight. Mm -hmm. So we tend to bring forward negative emotions, negative experiences, and we carry those with us. With, but, but we also forget all the great things we've done. That's the irony of the brain. We forget the good stuff, but we emphasize the bad stuff, and that's the stuff we use to make judgment. 
-hmm. And so I had all this negative weight of past experiences with the plumbing. So I didn't do anything. I didn't want to. That was the imagined fear. And people listening to this are dealing with that. Somewhere in their history, they did something wrong. They didn't accomplish something. They screwed something up. They lost money. It was a bad investment, whatever it may be. And they bring that forward and it doesn't allow them to do anything. Yeah. That's why, that's why, that's why I see how that part of the brain just lights up. It just reminds you of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I heard about the, uh, and maybe you've probably heard this too, the power of 16, where um, for, for every one negative uh, comment that's made, it takes 16 positive comments. To Look at that. It's the same concept. I never heard that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Uh, but it's the same concept, right? It's like yeah. you, you remember the negative. It's, it's interesting how you can get 100 likes, but if somebody puts one negative comment on Facebook, that's the one you remember, right? That's it's the right. way our brain works. We're, we're right. looking for social acceptance, and that's another type of fear. But I, but I think that's interesting. When I talk about the, the amygdala being that breaking system, why people don't move ahead, is it's, it's, it's some negative weight they're carrying from the back. You know what I mean? History that they haven't purged. Do you think that this is just like a personal, like a, a, like a little side question, but do you think that that's why society, um, pro, do you think that that's why we're programmed as a society? Like even with the news, everything we watch on radio, everything is always fear-based and, and negative-based. I, I they, think, that, think that they feed into that, knowing that that's how our brain works. Do you think that they feed into that? Well, yeah. I mean, there, there, there's a German phrase called schadenfreude, Right not making that up. It's called schadenfreude. Schadenfreude means the, it's the good feeling you get when something bad happens to somebody else because it ain't you. Mm. We all had that feeling. Yeah, man, better him than me, right? Yes. So there, there's, there's something to that that our brain likes when it's not happening to us. So when we watch negative news, you're like, ah, better than the me. Yeah. You know, well, and then you feel better, right? Because you're like, well, it could be worse. Yeah, yeah. And so I think negative news makes us feel better in a very ironic way, but at the same time, that negative news undermines our own confidence to do anything. Because first you say, it's almost like a paradox, right? You're like, I'm glad it didn't happen to me. But now that you know that could happen, you won't take any action. Mm. That's the paradox. That's, that's and so, true. Yeah, and so people are like that. And so when I see people always negative talking, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of, and you know the story about the crabs, right? You put one crab in a bucket, it gets out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Put, put a bunch of other crabs, and they pull each other down. And I think a lot of people who are negative like to just pull you down, especially when you're doing well. You know, they live in a zero-sum world where you win, I lose. Mm -hmm. When they don't realize that if Jose wins, well, great for him, but that doesn't mean I lose. That's right. I just got to go do my own thing. That's right. And so I, I see a lot of that, you know, and unfortunately, I also see it in a lot of the Hispanic neighborhoods. If we can talk about our own culture for a second. Yeah, is, yeah I, was in, I was in Puerto Rico last week and I did three presentations on the last one. I don't know. I just felt like getting on my soapbox a little bit. And I said, why is it that we don't support each other? By support each other, I'm not saying only buy from other Puerto Ricans. That's not, not what I'm saying. I said, why is it that we don't celebrate when somebody else is doing well in our family? Mm -hmm. Why don't we, you know what I mean? Why don't we give them the hand clap? Yeah, all right. You know, and so we don't do that often enough. You know, we're like, well, you know, we always find a negative way to kind of put a spin on that thing. Yeah. And I don't know why we do that. And I think, well, I think I do know why. I think it makes us feel better. Because remember, when people are successful, they remind you of your own inadequacies. Think about that for a second. When somebody's doing well, you're reminded of your own inadequacies because now you have no excuse for not making it. Right? Mm -hmm. 
you are the personification of reminding people of their own inadequacies. Mm. Because with your handicap, you don't even care. It's like almost you don't even have a handicap, right? You're shooting right past it. And people are like, okay, well, if he's doing it, what's my excuse? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I, that's what I love about you, man, because you're like, ah, ah here we go. Life, <laughs> you threw me a curveball. Don't appreciate that, but here we go anyway. That's and right. I think when we see other people succeed, we always want to feel sorry for ourselves. And I think, you know, uh, I, I think that's not a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great, that's a great concept. Also, so let's just switch gears a little bit. Um, I'm going to go a little, for, a little back. Um, and uh, I know that you were a TV show host um, on uh, not just a YouTube channel, TV channel. I'm talking about cable TV, Spike TV, a show called Life or Death. And I saw, a couple of, I saw a couple of clips of that. <laughs> Very interesting. Tell us a little bit about that experience and what, what was your takeaway from that experience? Oh, man, that, that, that is one of the, so for a little background. So, you know, about four years ago, uh, somebody found my video on YouTube. They said, hey, we're looking, and they called me up and said, hey, we're looking for a host for a TV show, a reality show. Uh, and at the time it was called Family Takeover, got changed to Life or Debt. And I remember I went through the screen testing. I had a fly to, I literally had a fly to Hollywood. I can actually say that now. I flew to Hollywood for a screen test. <laughs> Did a screen test. Uh, there were two other people. They, they narrowed it down to three. And eventually I wound up wanting to get in the show. We did a pilot. Pilot did well. And so they gave us the first season. So it's called Life or Debt. Uh, it's on Spike TV, which was bought out by Param the Paramount Network. But you can find it on Amazon or Hulu or something like that. And so Life or Debt is about, I go in and I teach people how to run their family like a business. Uh -huh. And so the, the format is I spend five days with them, come back in 90 days to see how they're doing. Now, in those five days, I have to assess them. I have to challenge them. And then I have to give them a blueprint, a roadmap for how to get out of debt, you know, how to restructure their lives and then come back in 90 days to see how they're doing. So I give them advice and the tools necessary. So if you were going through a bankruptcy, I get you a bankruptcy lawyer at no cost. Whatever you need, I try to get to you. I got resources, I give them to you. And what was fascinating, Jose, is there's one big takeaway. This was the big one. That you can sit there and say, come on, man, you could do it. Come on, Jose, you, you and the wife, you can do this, man. You can get out of this. You can change your mindset. That didn't work. Did not work at all. It wasn't until I sucker punched you in the gut. Do you know what I mean? Held up the mirror to your face that you decided to change. I'll give you my favorite example. There's a uh, family in Miami, Cuban family. And the husband and the wife were basically, yeah, yeah, and me. Yeah, yeah, Victor, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll change. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, they don't get it. And so the producer and I, his name is Tim Warren, decided to do some sucker punch him in the chest, in the stomach rather. And here's what we did. At the end of the first day, we walked him out to the front of the house. And to, without going into details, I said to each one of them, I said, I need you to give me $500 and I need you, the husband, to give me $500 as well, right? Do you have it? And they're like, well, no. And now they had taken out a loan for $150,000. I said, well, you haven't paid the loan back. You don't have any money to give. I guess I have to take something. On cue, this truck pulls up, moving truck. These two big guys jump out, stand right behind me, right? Now I'm facing the house. They're facing the street, if you can kind of visualize this. And I said, are you sure you don't have, look at the wife. Are you sure you don't have $500? No, I don't, Victor. You, husband, you sure you don't have it? No. Okay, fine. So I tell the two guys, go in there, into their living room, and take everything. I want everything in that living room. I want the rugs. I want the sofas. I want the chair. Pull the plasma off the wall. I even want the pictures on the wall. I want the baby pictures, too. I want everything in that living room. The two guys shoot past the couple, and the couple's just like, what's going on? 
it isn't until the two guys came out with the sofa, the first thing with the sofa, the husband loses it, Jose. Pero como un cohete, like a rock, he just, he's lit up, like Puerto Rican lit up. You know what I mean? He's Cuban. He starts crying, but not crying boo-hoo, like anger, like pure yeah. anger. The wife starts crying, and the amount of F-bombs being dropped is incredible, right? And I remember the producer like said, go talk to him. Like, uh, no, I'm not talking to this guy until he settles down. That's how off he was. To make a long story short, they took everything out of the room, every, uh, the living room. Truck drives away. My, my closing scene is after the truck drives away, I said, we'll talk in the morning. And I just walk away. That's what I was told to do. And I was like, I'm going to die here. <laughs> Next morning I go. And I go and I walk in. The kids are gone. Three kids, they're gone. Because uh, we don't do that in front of the kids, obviously. Yeah. And so they're in the kitchen, they're cooking, and I walk in with the cameras, and they don't want to talk to me, right? They're like, they're giving me that side eye, right? That screw face. And finally, the husband just, just breaks down. He says, you know, last night, we had to explain to our children why there was no furniture in the living room. And we told them, and they're old enough to understand that we're broke. And it was the hardest thing we'd ever had to do. At that moment, Jose, you could feel them open up for the possibility of change. Mm. And their story is beautiful, man. So I think, uh, I forgot what we called that one. Uh, well, we called, we called it something like the Cuban Missile Crisis or something like that. <laughs> something that had to do with the financial missile crisis or something. But it wasn't until they felt the pain, I held the mirror to their face, you are failures, da 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 you're not doing what you should, doing right by, for your children. You need to change. And then, man, then they wanted to change after that. That's so awesome. that, that was the biggest lesson I've learned. And I, I realized that, you sometimes have to gut punch people and hold that mirror up to their face. By the way, by, side note, by the fourth episode, they had to have a bodyguard on set with me because every husband wanted to kill me. Why, you, know, you were I, taking stuff from everybody? Oh, man, I was taking stuff. I was putting my finger in their face. Oh, like the Victor you see here on this interview was not the Victor that showed up on set. Wow. I mean, I was just like, I went Chicago on them. I was like Chicago, Puerto Rican rogue <laughs> on, them. Green on them. Yeah, and they're like, what? The, you know, I mean, that was really, it was really fascinating, but that was the biggest thing I learned from the show that sometimes you really have to make people look at their mess, acknowledge their mess yeah, before they're motivated to do anything. That, that's amazing, bro. That's amazing. So yeah. listen, I know that you're, you know, you're a very suspect, uh, successful, you know, businessman. You, you've, you've, re you've run companies and you've, and you've taken them into the hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, now you, now you're doing your own thing, traveling the world, making impact, making friends, uh, making, making a difference. So I know you literally traveled, you said earlier, you traveled to six of the seven continents. Um, what has been your favorite place to travel to and why? Favorite place. I don't know if I have a favorite place. I can only give you interesting places I've been to. Like when I went to Saudi Arabia, uh, that was interesting. And, uh, because the culture is so different. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, and we went to Jeddah, and they're very orthodox in terms of religion, very strict, right? So you have to kind of be very careful. I remember I had to have somebody scrub my presentation. By scrub, I mean I walked through them. We both walked through it to make sure I wasn't offensive. like, well, there was nothing offensive in there, but there's something that could have been interpreted as offensive. So you have to be careful with that. And so, but man, I did well over there. And it's funny, you know, it's just about connecting at a human level. Uh, interesting places like Dubai, you know, Abu Dhabi, uh, you know, Jordan has been pretty cool. All these countries are great. Tanzania was probably, Africa was probably like, whoa, okay, this is different. Now, and when you so, go to these locations, are you, are you, uh, do you have a translator? In many cases, you don't need a translator okay. because, you know, th there's a joke that says mm -hmm. if you speak three languages, you're trilingual. 
you speak two languages, you're bilingual. If you speak one language, you're American. (laughs) What's that's a slam on us, obviously. Uh, because what happens is that most of these countries know two languages. Yeah. Easy. You know, why we don't know English and Spanish having, you know, you know, Mexico and all the South American countries below us is, is just one of the dumbest things yeah. that, that we've done to ourselves here. Every other country teaches two languages, prime language, then English. And so mostly when you're dealing with business people, they know English very well. Mm-hmm. And so rare is, the, rare is the time that we need a translator. I mean, it happens once in a while, but not as often as you think. And I think if you keep the stories very human, the example I give people is when I go there, by the way, when I go to a country, I know they're going to push back. Victor, you don't understand our culture. Mm-hmm. So I have this, I, I do this thing to block an objection. I do this thing is that I hold a piece of candy in my hand, right? And so I unwrap the piece of candy in my hand. It's part of my pitch at the beginning, right? And I hold the wrapper on the left side of my hand, on my left hand, and hold the, the actual candy in my right hand. He says, now this, this right here represents us. This candy represents everybody in this room. Now, over here on the left, I have a wrapper. The wrapper represents culture. The brain represents the brain. It never changes. Now, I'll never understand your culture, and I'll just hold the wrapper like, you know, show it to him. He says, but I do understand the brain, and I do understand how people think. And so I'm not here to talk to you about culture. I'm here to talk to you about how the brain works and how people make decisions. Mm. Immediately, you can feel that connection right there because, okay, he admitted he doesn't understand the culture, but he's going to talk about the brain because the brain is the brain. Yeah. And that's what's fascinating, that if you just talk about how people make decisions, how people predict their next actions, everybody's in. Yeah. And that's how I overcome the uh, cultural barrier. That's good. I like that. I like yeah. that. That's a, you don't mind if I use that, do you? No, man, it's all yours, man. It's all good. Like it's all good. Written or anything like that. No, no, no. You know, it's funny, you know, but it's, it's funny that you say that because, you know, years ago, people would always tell me, said, Victor, you're putting too much content online. You know, you're sharing too much. People are going to copy your information. They're going to use your information. To which I would say, que Dios lo bendiga. God bless you. Go use it. You know why? Because when I, when I, when I do content, I'm always creating new content. So that I'm not, you know what I mean? I, I view things from a point of view of abundance, yeah. not lack. Yeah. And I think that's my mindset. So I've had people copy my stuff. I've seen people use my stuff on stage. I'm like, man, there it is. Got to come up with some new stuff now. <laughs> but you know what, though? I've also heard it said that, you know, if you're doing, if you're putting out good content and great content all the time, that people will continue to pay to hear it over and over and over again. They do, man. They do. I think people like the, I mean, I've had people just say, I found your content. I just listened to your content and two, three years later, they, they wind up booking me. Yeah. You know, I, I started listening to you three years ago. That's the famous line. I've listened to you for the last three or four years. Finally, we're ready to bring you in. I'm like, there it is. And I think the, I come from a point of view where I want to just deliver great content. And I hate the word legacy. I got to be honest. I hate the word legacy. I think it's, uh, it's an illusion. Legacy to me is an illusion. But I like to say that I like to leave behind a body of work. Mm. That's the difference. See, legacy is about, eh, nobody's going to remember us. Let's be honest for a second here. You know, I hate people talk about legacy. Dude, nobody's going to remember you beyond your kids and maybe your grandkids. Nobody's going to remember you. There are more famous people who went before us, who've done more crazier, cooler stuff that nobody remembers. Uh But what if you can leave behind a body of work? Yeah. That's just information out there and just to make the world a better place. That's right. uh, that's why I don't like legacy. I like body of work. So I, 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 I believe in creating a body of work that will live beyond me. That's awesome, man. 
That's awesome. One of the things I like about uh, you, Antonio, is that you're also, you're an outside the box thinker, right? You're not like average, mediocre. You're just like, when it's like when we spoke the last time, you were like, man, I'm the type of speaker that when I get on stage, I want people to be like, wow, what the... Yo, what the heck did he just say? Like, rewind that, rewind that. <laughs> say it Where's again. Where's going? Yeah, you got to keep him guessing. And I love that. And you mentioned earlier that you've authored 13 books or so around there. And I know that your most recent one is uh, Sales, Sales Ex Machina. Or mm. Machina and uh, how, uh, how artificial intelligence is changing the world of selling. But not only the world of selling, just changing the world in general. True. And my wife and I, we're constantly talking about this stuff because as a person who has to live his life in a wheelchair, I depend on, a, on, on, an, on an electronic machine device to get me from point A to point B and helps me move around. So I'm always, that, that type of stuff always fascinated me because as I began to lose some of my mobility to do certain things, I'm always looking for other you know, devices or anything that can help me live my life to be able to do just basic things that normal people may take for granted like opening the door. I have a little clicker. I click the button, the door opens, click it again. It closes behind me. I have a smart lock. So I push the button. It locks the door for me. I don't need a key. You know, so just that type of stuff that, that makes my life easier. But with your recent book on how artificial intelligence is changing the world of selling, um, tell us about that and what made you write that book and what has been your experience since you speak to so many corporate you know, companies and the technology and everything else that's out there. Tell us a little bit about that and why you wrote the book. You know, you know, it's funny because I'll start at the uh, core. So I don't usually talk about this, but I'm, I'm going to share it with you. So I am, a, I am like a Milton Friedman Ayn Rand capitalist. And that is, I believe in, you know, Adam Smith's, you know, uh, wealth of nations, free markets, let capitalism move. I hate socialism. I hate communism. I hate any, the only, it's capitalism. Capitalism allows creativity to be unleashed on society. Why? Because there's a profit motive. If I create something cool, people will pay for it. They'll benefit. Like the guy that created the smart lock that you're using, he sat there, he created. So wait a minute, if I create it, uh, I'll make a lot of money, but somebody will benefit from it mm-hmm. and it'll give them more options, right? Yeah. That's what I love about capitalism because it allows that. If you look at what ha- what's happening in Venezuela, that's socialism and communism, some mixture thereof. Yeah. Where creative minds can't create because everybody wants to give away stuff for free. Capitalism is a great market, and I, and I use that as a pivot because this technology that we have today, including the AI, didn't come from the government. It came from these, these free market people who says, how can we make more money, and how can we create cool stuff, right? Yeah. And so when I say people ca- complain about capitalism, I almost want to you know, ask them, I said, hey, nice iPod you have there, right? <laughs> nice phone you have. That was a capitalist who created that. And so I love technology, and to hear you say how technology is enabling you to do things that you couldn't do because of your lack of mobility, that's, I mean, that is the epitome of why free markets work when you create cool stuff like that. And so as we're moving into the space of artificial intelligence, it's basically, you know, we're generating a lot of data. The book's about how we're generating a lot of data. You're moving around on your phone right now. This is data we're creating. It's visual data, but it's data nonetheless. And so we're creating data from the moment we get up and grab our phones, we start creating data, right? Every time you use any piece of electronic, you're pretty much creating data. They're taking that data and now they're using it to predict what we will do or want. Mm-hmm. Now, again, people say, well, it could be used for nefarious reasons. Yeah, true. But think of all the benefits so far of AI. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand AI or machine learning, which is a subset of AI, it's basically, think of, uh, you know how you got a spreadsheet? 
and you got the X and Y, you know, columns and rows. Yeah. Now imagine that instead of two dimensions, X and Y, now imagine, which we really can't, it's hard, that now you have a thousand dimensions. Mm-hmm. And it's like this massive cube that has data in such a way that you, the human mind couldn't comprehend it. But the machine can find pieces of information in there. It says, hey, did you know this? And then all of a sudden, that can help you. Yeah. My favorite example is how they're using AI uh, to, uh, to uh, review um, x-rays to catch like cancers, tumors, cancers, whatever, early, even before anybody can visually detect it. I mean, so there's so many applications for this. And so AI is changing how we're living. Uh, Amazon is moving towards uh, something called zero click. You know how you go to Amazon and buy something? You say, hit one click to buy. Yeah. Amazon is moving towards zero clicks. They're going to predict what you want, deliver it to your door. And if you don't want to just send it back, no charge. But they're going to predict what you want. Oh, wow. And so all this is happening. And the question I often get is, Victor, am I going to lose my job? Well, don't look at it that way. There's two ways of looking at it. If you have a job that's very routine, like put this in there, put that to there, slide this, slide that. Yeah, your job is gone. You know <laughs> what I mean? If you have a thinking job, not likely. For example, if you're in sales, uh, the way to look at it is look at every task you have to complete in order to do a sale, right? Look at every task and then say, which of these tasks can I automate? And that will be AI away. In other words, artificial intelligence will take care of that, but that'll give you more time to do what you have to do. Yeah. So, you know, I love where the technology is going. Uh, obviously, there's some warning, right? As far as people invasion of privacy with data and things of that nature. Yeah. But the upside is that we're living in a world now where we have tools, like you mentioned already, that we can use that, you know, 20, 30 years ago would have been a dream. You know, imagine the benefits you have in your situation, Jose, that people didn't have 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. You know, and, and well, you're just like, recently, just, ahead, I was say just recently with the, I just got this brand new wheelchair last, last, uh, last March. And for, I've been in a wheelchair now for 19 years. So for 18 years, I've been sitting in my wheelchair at a low level. But last March, this new wheelchair that I got elevates 12 inches higher. So now I'm actually able to speak to people eye level or now I'm actually taller than them because I'm six foot, I'm six feet normally, but now sometimes I'm even taller, taller than people. So it's like literally changed my life. Like literally I have a new view of life from a higher level, um, literally speaking, because I'd go to like uh, Target or, you know, one of these, uh, one of these stores with my wife and I couldn't even see past or over the, the clothing rack because mm. I was low. So now with this, I, I hit the button, it's a little button, I hit the button, it elevates me 12 inches higher, and now I'm over the rack and I can see the whole story. It was like changed my whole view that I haven't seen in 18 years. So it's completely yeah. changing for me. I, I think what's, what's amazing is that if we were to look at that chair you're in right now, the technology would be all over that chair. Everything for how the body is constructed, how the chair is constructed, even how the tires are constructed. You know what Listen, I mean? I even, have two, I even have two USB ports on the chair to plug in vice. <laughs> See what I mean? I mean, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. We got Siri for voice activated stuff. Hey Siri, give me this, put that up. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And so I wrote the book because uh, one of my first internships out of college was working on an AI expert system on a torpedo system. Yeah. So if you saw the movie for hunt for red October, I worked on that torpedo system. It was called the Mark 46 and the Mark 50. Mm. And that was my first introduction to artificial intelligence. And the guy who co-authored the book with me was my mentor back at Honeywell. 
And so I brought the idea to him. I showed him the manuscript. He's like, hey, I want in. And so he put his nice little polishes on it. His name is Dr. James Anders, a super smart dude. And that's how I, and then so think about it. this was in 80, I'm going to say 86, maybe. So from 86 to write the book now in 2018, uh, that's how much AI has changed. So when I saw people using AI and selling, I'm like, nobody's written a book on this. Maybe I'll write a book on this because I want to write something different. And I already understood the concepts of artificial intelligence. So I said, yeah, let me write the book. The, the, no, reception, think, US, the reception has been very interesting because people are still trying to figure out what's all about. Where's this thing going? What's going to happen? So there's still some of that imbalance. Yeah, no, and, it, and I'm telling you, it's a, it's a very attractive title and a very timing title for the, for the times that we're living in today. And um, one of the things that I love about that is that I've been, I've been looking into this more and more and uh, I'm going to be starting to do more research and put out more content on having like a global, a global mindset, a global, uh, as far as all this technology is concerned, because like you said, you go to different countries and it's not about the culture, it's about the brain, right? Because we all have the same brain. We all, you know, we all have the th same thinking capabilities and thought processes and everything. And I think that this whole artificial intelligence concept is a global thing. It's happening all over the world. So whether you're, you know, from that country or not, these are the things that are happening and these are the things that are taking over. And, you know, we have to talk about this type of stuff. So I'm going to be putting out, I'm going to be doing a lot of research on this topic. And also, are you familiar with um, Emerge Americas? No. It's a big tech. Um, they just had it recently, a couple months ago, down in Miami. It's a big tech uh, con mm. conference, and it's like different uh, startup companies that are into technology, uh, companies that are out there already doing technology. Even colleges were there with some of the uh, you know up and coming AI technology that they have within the college system, and it was just super, super interesting and cool to be there. And um, I was, I had the opportunity of speaking to the president of the organization. Um, and maybe speaking there this coming up year, uh, as far as like the technology that I've been able to experience, you know, due mm -hmm. to my own condition. That'd be great. And different things. So yeah, it's going to be amazing, man. I'm super excited about it. But yeah. just it's gears, an interesting space. Say, say that again. It's an interesting space. The technology uh, space when right now, the advancements that are occurring are just fascinating. And I think we don't see them because they're, they're, they're invisible to the eyes. In other words, we don't see Siri, but it's working in the background, right? We're having this conversation. It's working in the background. And so that whole thing about 99% invisible, that's the stuff that's going on in the background that people don't see, but yet it's transforming how we're living. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, um, just real quick, I saw two things. I saw yesterday, and you can pick which one you want to talk about first. Sure. I saw yesterday and I read the article that you put out yesterday, which is, again, I love the freaking title, man. You're just so creative with this stuff. Buyers, buyers aren't buying you, right? Mm -hmm. You put that out yesterday on LinkedIn. I saw that. And I just saw that you just finished coming off of a huge event that you hosted with Plexus. And I've been following, like I said, I've been following you. I know you've been a keynote speaker there for several years, back to 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 back. Yep. <laughs> and uh, they just love you there. But now, I, I, was this the first time you're hosting it? No, no, no. This has been, uh, I've been their MC for the last three years. Oh, okay. So I speak and I MC the same thing. Oh. And so this is really the only MC gig I have. And I, I found that I'm very good at it because I, I keep a three-day event going and flowing, if you know what I mean. I know, they party and, out there. 
Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so it's a great company. It's a network marketing company. And what I love about this company is that their management team, they're growing. They're like uh, almost, I think, it's not public, but I think they're like half a billion dollars, 500 million oh. and growing. They're going to be a billion dollar company. And what I love about this comp, uh, the management team is the fact that they have a compensation plan that pushes the money down. Do you know what I mean? So everybody yeah. makes money. Yeah. You know I mean? For those who work and get it. And, and it's a good management team. And yeah, I, I met them like six years ago. I just did a, uh, a couple of speeches for them. And one day they said, hey, uh, maybe we should try Victor for this MC role. You know, and they brought me in. And uh, so, yeah. So I'm committed to a few years with them, by the way. We signed oh, a nice contract. Awesome. Yeah, they, they locked me in. They were smart. That's awesome. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm fi- I'm fi- I was following the, uh, the stories that you put out. And then other people are putting stuff up about that event. And it looked like just a really good, a yeah. really good, good event. And uh, looked at good amazing. people, good product, good company, good management, which yeah, is what yeah, people yeah. want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the article that you wrote too, uh, why uh, buyers aren't buying you. I read yeah. that. I thought it was really good. What so, stood out for you in that article? Well, it's that you know, like you said, if you can't, if you can't connect with the buyer on a personal level and really understand what their what their needs are, instead of you trying to just dump the value right away on top of them and seeing what value they actually need from you right. as a person, then, then, then they're not going to buy what you have unless it's what they need. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny how, out, not until you find out what they need that you're able to, you know. Yeah, that's it. Isn't it? Because it's look, when I, when I train salespeople, I, I heard this phrase years ago. I wish I'd come up with this phrase, but it's not mine. Um, but it said the average salesperson practices what to say. The superior salesperson practices what to ask. Mm, that's good. And by, by, by that, I mean, you know, anybody can talk. Anybody can talk to a customer about feature benefit, advantage gain, quality service price, blah, 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 right? All that. But it takes a certain amount of patience to sit there. Let me ask you a couple of questions. I said, I, I just want to, I mean, first of all, I'll review their business online, try to understand who they are through LinkedIn and their website. But then when I talk to clients, I said, well, tell me, tell me what you're trying to do. Tell me what you're trying to accomplish. And if I can't, if I could do some great, if not, I'll just tell you, I can't, you know, and, or, you know, if I could, great. So I think it's, we, we get back to the empathy piece. I always come back to empathy, right? If I can empathize with what they're going through, put myself in their situation. If I'm talking to a CEO, I know what pressures he's facing or she's facing. Yeah. If it's a manager, same thing. I put myself and I try to understand what you're going through. What are you trying to accomplish? And so I'll, I simply ask questions. So I, I've learned over time to ask more questions up front, to slow down in order to speed up. That's the paradox again. Mm. If you slow down to ask better questions, you'll speed up the sale. But a lot of people just want to talk about feature benefit advantage gain, all that stuff. So I wind up asking myself, asking them, tell me about your business. Tell me what you're trying to do. Well, why are you trying to do that? I even challenge them. I said, well, why would you do that out of curiosity? Help me understand what you're trying to get to. And believe it or not, there's this moment where it feels uncomfortable and then you feel this click. It's almost like you're going over the top and it's like, then all of a sudden we have a conversation. It's a real conversation. Yeah. Like, you know, you and I can have a conversation, but I start digging deep into you. Yeah, but why do you want to do that, Jose? Yeah. Well, that doesn't make any sense based on what you just told me five minutes ago. Yeah, so help me understand, what am I not getting? Yeah. And then it seems, I mean, don't be a jerk when you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can ask deep questions with love in your heart, if I could say it that way, you know, I think people respond to that because they realize, okay, he's trying to figure me out first before helping me. And I love that. Yeah. And that's what, and that's, and that's the hook, 
right? Exactly. Isn't that the hook? That's the hook. Yeah. By the way, I mean, here's the, here's the reality. If you listen to this, here's the reality. No matter what product you have, you're not special. You're not different. No matter what product or feature you come out with, it doesn't matter. Somebody will copy it in three months. We'll, we live in a, in a world where it's the equality of quality. All products are the same. Product parity. All products look the same to the customer. For the first time ever, Jose, the salesperson is now the true differentiator in the market. How so? Products are all the same. Services are all the same. What's the difference? The way the salesperson positions the value of the product. That's right. And how they frame the conversation. Today, the salesperson is the big differentiator. And that's what I preach a lot. That's great. That's great. And I think that's one of the reasons why you've been able to become so successful and now be at a point in your life where you're just kind of coasting and, you know, you get to pick what deals you want, where you go and, and so forth. That's amazing. I know you're going to be here in Miami in a couple of months. I saw somebody promoting something down at the Keys that you're going to be a keynote speaker. Yeah, yeah. Water, Waterbox, I think it's the company called Waterbox. Yeah, or something, something like that. So that's, that's awesome, man. I follow you, man. I, listen, I do my homework. No, you're stalking me, man. I'm, I'm feeling paranoid now, man. What's going on? <laughs> I follow my people, man. I follow my people, the people that I aspire, you know, to be like me, that I look up to, man. And, and you're, you're definitely one of those people, man. So I, I truly you, appreciate man. you. But just real quick as we wrap this up, because I know that um, I have some things to do. I know maybe not so much you because you're kind of just chilling. You're probably going to go watch a movie. <laughs> Dude, I'm taking all of July off, man. I'm taking all of July off. I'm, I'm hanging. So go ahead. That's awesome, man. But um, what, what do you do? At what, or what, maybe not so much now because you're kind of like at a point in your life where you're, you're really you're in a good space and, and you're kind of like, you know, you have options and, and, and you know, you can, you can make pretty much say and do what you want to do when you want to do it. But if you can think about a time just for the people that are listening, what, yeah. if, what, what do you do in those moments where you, where you may have felt extremely overwhelmed or maybe even felt like giving up at some point with something, mm. a project you were working on, or maybe going through something personal or whatever, you know, any type of experience, you know, what, what, what did you do in those moments? How would you, what would you tell somebody who may be feeling extremely overwhelmed? Cause the name of the podcast is I won't stop until I win. Right. So the point right. of it is that, you know, no matter what happens in life, you know, I use myself as an example with my situation, I'm still going, I'm, I'm keeping it going every day. I wake up and get into this wheelchair. That's a win for me. Right. So I count the small ones and the big ones. But, you know, there may be somebody who wants to win, but they're overwhelmed and they're going, they feel like giving up. What would you say to that person? You know, I, I, man, I can feel, I can feel that pain because when, when I left corporate America that May 9th, 2001, what happened was, so I quit this job where my base salary was 250,000, had all kinds of commission checks coming in, had stock options, I was doing well. And I quit, which means I lost it all. And we knew this, you know, when we made the decision. And so we had a little bit of money in the bank. And I remember my first year of speaking, my first half year, because it was around June I started. My first half year, I made $17,000. That's one seven. <laughs> now that's a fall from grace, man. And all of a sudden you're like, you got two kids in school, private school. You're like, oh man, oh snap. What do we do now? And then, you know, there were so many bad investments I made, you know, things that I invested in that didn't work. You know, you buy programs, you go to courses, you go to workshops, you, you invest this stuff and none of it seems to be paying off. And in your mind, you're going, you know, carajo, what did I do? You know what I mean? What did I, what did I do to myself? And what helped me was, and I hate to use this word, but here it comes, clarity. I knew without a question of doubt or question or doubt that I wanted to be a speaker. I just knew I just, it just, it was there. It, it had been building over the years 
And Jose, I clung on to that just like, like, you know, middle of a, a, a torrential ocean, you know, you know, like a little lifesaver that I, I clung on to that because I, I don't want to go back. You know what I mean? I was like, you know, like Hernan Cortez, man, you got to go into the actual force to face the Indians. You got to burn the ships. And so that was my version of burning the ships. I felt that I didn't want to go back because I knew what was back there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, God, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And so my second year, full year of speaking, I made like $57,000. Still not enough to cover. I mean, good money, but still not enough to cover real bills and put money away. And so I kept building slowly. And there were moments, trust me, man, there were moments, plural, double plural, where <laughs> you're like, should I just go back and get a job? Should I just go back and get a gig? And over, that, over the last 10 years, I, I, I got a full, full spirit of disclosure, right? During those 10 years, uh, I remember when I first started speaking, the numbers weren't looking good for the first year or two. And I got offered this position to do training for another company. And I did that for a year and a half just to make money and replenish my funds, right? So I went back to the grind, came back, you know, back to speaking. And then about a year or so later, again, an opportunity arose. It was a good opportunity to be CEO of a technology company. And so I did that for a year, made some money there, and then came back to speaking. I always came back to speaking. And so if you're out there and you're trying to get to where you're going and you got to go back to the grind, to make a little money, get a little jet fuel to get you going, do it, man. There's no shame. The only shame is when you just stop pursuing something and you just oh. give up, like the frog in the, in, the, in the water, right? You turn up the heat, it gives up, right? gives up. And so it's okay to go back. And so trust me when I understand that, because, you know, when you got kids and you got to pay for private school and all that, and every day you see that bank account just going tick, tick, tick down where you're like, damn, what am I going to do? You know, and you, you can't sleep at night. Uh -huh. And so we, I went through all that, man, but the, the, the clarity in my head was I wanted to be a speaker. You know what I mean? I knew it. I just knew I wanted to do that. How did I know that? I don't know. Somewhere in the, in the deep reaches of my subconscious, it finally came forward and says, hey, you know what? The only thing you're going to be happy doing is speaking. So let's commit to the cause. And so I committed to the cause. And, but there were moments, man, where, dude, I just wanted to like, one, I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. Is, should I just go back? I mean, I had the credentials to go back and make more money, but deep down inside, I didn't want to live with regret. You know, you start thinking about the day you die type of thing. At least I do. I'm very morbid about this because <laughs> I fast forward. I go, okay, there I am laying on my deathbed. I don't want to sit there with the woulda, coulda, shouldas. Yeah. I want to be able to look around and just have that smile on my face. You know, that all knowing smile, like, oh yeah, that was awesome. Remember when you did that? <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. And for those who don't know the story and I'll end on this is that, Zig Ziglar, I saw him back in 93, 94, was the person that motivated me to want, that, who planted the seed to become a speaker. So because I went on my own in 2000, I'm trying to it was 2006 or 2009, I got a chance to share the stage with Zig Ziglar. And yeah. that to me was like, I remember, I remember I drove back from Jackson, Mississippi, where we had the event. And man, that smile on my face was like plastered, man. It just like for two, three hours driving, I just couldn't help but smile. And that's when I knew I was, I was in the right space. I accomplished my goals. And then beautiful things start to happen, Jose. And that this is the unintended part of it is that, you know, I meet great people like yourself and others. I get a TV show. I mean, who the hell gets a TV show, a reality show for a whole season? And I could, there's so many great things. I wish you could peek into my head of all the cool things that have happened over the last two, 10 years because I wanted to do something that I knew was risky, but nobody else, everybody else is afraid to do it. I just, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And dude, no regrets, man. If I die tomorrow, if I die tomorrow, uh, I, 
the only regret will be not being able to see my kids get married or have grandchildren. Putting that aside, dude, I will die a happy man. Yeah. That's how good it's been. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome, man. It's been good. Man, I am super, super, I'm just super excited to just know you, man, just that for you to be able to spend this time with me, man. I know your time is valuable. And uh, bro, I'm just super excited, man. You know, in the beginning, listen, in the beginning of every podcast, you know, I always like to give thanks to God. Um, and I forgot to do that this time because I'm just so excited to be be with you, man. But man, I just thank God for you, bro, for your life, just for our relationship, for your friendship, your mentorship, um, just what, just for who you are, man. I just thank God that, you know, he, he's, he allowed our paths to cross. You know, I share, bro, you know, when I'm doing my, when I'm doing my presentations, depending upon where I am, I share the story about sometimes you have to look foolish to get to where you want to go in life. Mm Mm-hmm. And I share the story on how we were at 10X. I, I didn't have the VIP ticket. I was there with Les as one of his guests. But mm-hmm. you know, everybody had the VIP ticket, all the speakers, they were getting on that boat. And my wife tells me, and I, I don't think I've ever shared this with you, but my wife tells me, hey, babe, let's go down to the dock. And I was like, for what? We're not getting on the boat. She was like, because that's where all the VIPs are going to be. That's where all the speakers are going to be. They're going to they're gonna have to pass us. We might be able to talk to them. And I was like, Oh yeah, you're right, babe. So we go down to the dock. <laughs> she was right. Bro, we go down to the dock. We're the only ones there that are not getting on the boat. I was wondering why you were there. And it yeah. makes sense now. Cause I was like, here's Jose on the boat, on, on, on the edge of the dock. And you were the only one there. Yeah. My you were the only one there. We were the only ones there at the, at the dock, not getting on the boat. Everybody passing us by like, hey, you guys coming on? And we're like, no, you know, we just wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you're looking foolish. <laughs> but you know what, though, bro? It was at that dock that I met you. Correct. It was at the dock that I met Andy Frisella. Andy Frisella flew my wife and I to his corporate office two years ago to his Summer Smash event. And, and there I was able to meet more amazing people and just build relationships. Wow. I didn't I, know that. I didn't know that. I met Tim Grover at 10X, but it just so happened that when I went to um, St. Louis with Andy Frisella, his guest speaker was Tim Grover. He remembered me from 10X. We talked, and the next thing you know, he's writing an endorsement for me for my website that I'm able to use. But it was because my wife and I were there looking foolish. We were the only ones not getting on that VIP, looking at each other like, babe, one day we're going to be with Victor and all these guys. Going to be on that boat, and one day, yeah. baby, it's going to happen. So I share that story. I, I, I remember I, I had I had promised my ticket to somebody else. You know what I mean? I was like, God, you know, here's my fellow one equal. I can't go with the other ticket because I had promised it to another guy, something like that. I remember that going, and I, I was like, but I, I thought for sure you were going to get on. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I was, he's going to get on. He's going to get on. And yeah. so, and my yeah. wife was telling me because I remember the other guy that you had the ticket for, he couldn't make it. So my wife was like, my wife was like, babe, just go, go, go. He has the ticket. Go get on with him. And I was like, babe, I can't leave you on the dock. I can't leave you on the dock. And I was like, nah, you know what, babe, don't worry about it. Next time we're going to, we're going to get on that. I don't remember what, I remember I had an extra ticket. The guy was supposed to come. Yeah. I know that guy. His name was Carlos. Yeah. And he worked for Les Brown, didn't he? He worked for Les Brown. Yeah, he worked for Les Brown too. Yeah, he worked for the Institute. But something happened where he he had to pack some stuff up and take it somewhere so he couldn't make it. Got it, got it. That's when I went to like, babe, if he can't go, you go. I'll wait here at the dock. I was like, heck no, I'm not leaving you behind. One day we're going to go and we're going to go together. We're going to enjoy it. (laughs) My man. Yeah, man. But hey, that's just a part of the story, right? So That's a great story, man. But I I think the, you know, again, that's courage, man. The, the curse to look foolish, man. So it's like, you know, be humble, man. 
And yeah. it's like, you know, I'm sorry, it's funny how, I don't want to say people were attracted to that, but there's something genuine about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody's trying to front. Yeah. You know, too often. And when you see somebody who's not fronting, it's almost like refreshing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if I would have never been at that doc, man, we, would, we wouldn't be on the phone, uh, on the call right now. Thank your wife. Thank your wife yeah. again. I'm telling you, that's why I tell men. I'm like, man, that's why you need to have a good partner by your side. Oh, by the way, on that, on that note, let me, let me highlight that because, you know, I've been married now 30 years, going on 31. Wow, congratulations. I've been with my wife now 33 years. And my wife has allowed me to do so many things. You know, that's my champ. That's my, that's my best pal right there, man. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, like to, I like to talk about it. I'm glad you like to talk about it because too often we hear about, you know, divorce rates and all that stuff and relationships not going well. But, man, when it goes your way, oh, yeah. it's like my mother used to say in Spanish, te ganaste la loteria with that one. You won <laughs> yeah, the yeah. lottery with that one. That's and right, I, baby. She, she is straight up right, man. I was yeah. right. I won the lottery, man. They say that, you know, having the right, you know, having the right spouse is uh, – it, it has a lot to do with the level of success that you achieve. I, I would agree with that hundred percent. I'm not saying that to be nice to people yeah. or just so women will feel better about themselves. It is fact, man. My wife yeah. uh, does a lot of things so I don't have to focus on it and allows me to focus on my business. So we have like, you know, this perfect division of labor where <laughs> she takes care of everything on the home front, my job, because she's a, she, she decided she's college graduate, graduate honors. Uh, but she decided she wanted to stay home. And so, you know, that allows me to focus on the business. And so what I do, I literally, man, I throw the check over the wall when I get it. <laughs> and, you know, I don't even manage the money. I don't even know what we have sometimes. She yeah. has to tell me. I have to go for her for maybe an allowance or something once in a while. Hey, yeah, can I have a couple hundred bucks? And, they but, don't know that, that, that our wives are the real bosses, huh? Yeah, yeah. But that's trust, man. You got to have that level yeah, of trust man. with your partner. And I think it's a good thing. I, 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 I'm with you 100% on that, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. So congratulations to your wife, man. Tell her I said hello. And tell her I mm -hmm. said thank you for just being that strong support system for you, for you to be able to do what you do, impact lives, impact my life. So thanks to her that you're able to do what you do, because if it wasn't for her, you probably wouldn't be able to do it as maybe, maybe who knows, maybe you would have still, but you know, it has a lot to do with it, but I just, I'm thankful for that as well. But yeah. we close up, Victor, what's the next big thing for you? Next big thing for oh, me, you know, I'm working on that right now. Uh, you know, when you've achieved, uh, you know, what you considered your level of success, which is where I'm at now, you know, I'm right now I'm in that mode. I think I'm taking July to really think about, you know, what do I want to create next? I can keep creating content, uh, but, but I'm searching for something right now, Jose. I don't know what it is. Okay. And so that's a good question to ask me at this point, because if you're listening to this and you don't know where you're going, uh, I'm with you right now because I'm going, <laughs> you know, what do I want to do now? It's like, you know, everything I've wanted to do, I've done. You know, I am not lacking. You know what I mean? I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. And so I'm trying to figure out, you know, what is the next thing for me? And so, again, I'll continue with creating a body of work, which is just content, but I'm trying to find what it is I want to do next, you know, what direction I want to go in. I think I'll always be a speaker slash trainer, but maybe I want to expand what I teach on. Maybe that's kind of where I'm at right now. So maybe more of the, uh, maybe more on the performance side or the leadership side. I don't know yet. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I'm, I'm wrestling with right now. Okay. And so in the meantime, I just create content. Well, it's one of the funny things that I find interesting is that this industry, it's a big industry, but it's also like a small industry because a lot of the people, when you start getting out there, you start to know 
a lot of the people who are in the same industry doing some of the same things, helping some of the same people out. And what's interesting is that I, I, I know somebody who you know, and I don't, I don't want to put it out there, but you know, you mentioned the, uh, that you have that documentary on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, Antonio, the motivator. Is there anything else coming behind that? Like any part two or sequel? Oh yeah. We released part two. Part two is beyond the stage, which is now available on Amazon. And, so who, and who recorded that for you? Uh, Raw Productions, Raul. That's my, my boy. Dela Cruz, you know him? Yeah, man. Oh, Raul's awesome. Man. In Miami, and when I when I found out that he helped you with the first one, no, uh, the second one. No, the second one. Yeah, that's right. When he helped you with the second one, I was like, "What, Victor? That's my boy. I love that dude." Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And then he, he was just like, "Oh, you know, Vic?" Because I put a post up one time of me and you or something like that, and he he messaged me. He was like, "Yo, you know, Victor?" He was like, "Yo, I'm helping him with his documentaries part two. So yeah, cool dude, man. Cool dude. Yeah, uh, that's Raul De La Cruz Ra, R-A-H Productions, man. That guy, that guy is the consummate pro. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, just a pro. If, if you need video production, man, this is the guy, man. I mean, he's a pro. Quality content, man. Just quality. So, he, and by the way, quality individual also, man. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I, he, he's, done, he's done some stuff with Les Brown previously. That that's where I was able to meet him at one of the conferences he did down here in Miami. Ra was handling the whole production, and that's yeah. where I met him. So super cool, yeah. dude. But listen, let's, let's tell everybody where they can find more about Victor Antonio, your company, your books, your website, wherever they can find more information about you. Let everybody know how they can get in touch with you if they want to or if they want to buy any of your products or services. So victorantonio.com will get you everywhere. So if you just type in Victor Antonio on YouTube, on Google search, you'll, you'll find me. I would say that one of the things they should look at, if you're into sales, I have something called the Sales Velocity Academy, which is an online training platform. It's really cool. Check that out. And other than that, man, like I said, there's a lot of free content online that you can enjoy. So if you want to up your sales game, up your motivation in sales, then man, check out my channel. And that's at Victor Antonio on YouTube also, right? Correct. Everything's Victor Antonio. Instagram, everything, man. I'm all up with the Victor awesome, Antonio. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed the time with Victor Antonio and myself, bringing that valuable content like we always do every single week. And until the next time, make this week the best week of your life. Take care, and thanks again for tuning in. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of I Won't Stop Until I Win. Once again, I am your host, Jose Flores, and make sure you visit me at joseinspires360.com where you'll see links to all my social media where I'm bringing content like this every single day on how you can win and keep on winning. We have new episodes dropping every week, so make sure you guys like, subscribe, and share with other winners so that everyone can keep up with what's going on. Once again, I appreciate you tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next episode of I Won't Stop Until I Win.